Sessionable. Hi everyone, welcome to Sessionable. We've finally decided to do another episode. Um, Live on location from sunny Marrickville. Sunny Marrickville. Um, so we're sitting here with uh, two owners from Batchbury, Chris and Andrew. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having us. Yeah, yeah thanks right. for having us. Um, it was pretty cool. I was walking up the street here and you could actually see like Centre Point Tower. Yeah. Like up the road. Can you? Yeah, like I was because I came up this way. And you're like, oh, holy shit, like this is actually pretty close to the city. Yeah. We, ni- we have nice, nice views back onto. Back up that way. Yeah. Which is nice. You can see the storms rolling in pretty, <laughs> yeah, pretty well. You can get the fuck out pretty quick. Yeah. And, and the planes, too. Yeah. It's, you can always see people in the windows on the planes. Yeah. <laughs> so we're sitting here in um, Batch's brand new office, which is just around the corner from the brewery. So we thought we'd um, come down and finally have a chat to you guys. It's, I don't know why we haven't done it sooner, but yeah. Thank you for letting us come and invade your, your weekend. All good. <laughs> so tell us a bit about the office. Um, why are we here? What's uh, this is where all the magic happens right in here. <laughs> that uh, that's where Joe stares at himself in the vanity mirror over there for every every day to get ready to go out and sell some beer. Um, this, um, no, the we uh, the the reason why we had to get this is because we needed um, uh, space to be able to have more fermenters at the brewery and. Um, store be able to store more beer because at the moment like as we were talking about before kind of you know we're storing cold beer kind of in a few different places at the moment and it's all it was all just kind of like a band-aid um to for a short-term kind Mm. of solution so we we needed something where we could start storing more grains more bottles um and more beer uh, as we're growing and then clear out some space at the brewery so we could put in more fermenters Great. So we got some exciting stuff happening. I think Chris is probably a bit stressed tomorrow. Um, mm. We've got uh, seven new fermenters arriving. Wow, that's a pretty big step up in capacity. It's uh, doubling wow. capacity. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, which we'll slowly grow into. Like We don't have any intention of um, filling those tanks immediately because okay. um, we want to make sure we're kind of um, still producing really high-quality beer. And um, the market. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're still self-distributing, so it's kind of like it comes down to Joe and I at the moment still to get it all out there. Yeah. So there's, there are logistical kind of um, bottlenecks in selling the beer. So, uh, but we'll, we'll get another rep on and start getting a little bit further afield. But yeah, 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 we'll slowly grow into it, and then we'll also change the tasting room as well. So in the next couple, t- we'll sit tomorrow. We get the fermenters, and then in two weeks, uh, the tasting room, uh, the container, um, where where the container is, will be ripped out. We're kind of we're, we'll have the left side of the brewery effectively open all the time and separated from the loading zone so that the oh, guys great. can um, operate uh, seven days a week yeah. if they want to, which won't happen straight Must away. Be pretty, pretty frustrating for them at the moment trying to you know, roll a forklift through where there's like 100 people sitting there having a beer. <laughs> you can't yeah. get frustrated at people who've come out and, and spent money, and, spend money <laughs> and, and visited and, and, yeah. and appreciate what we're doing, but we certainly do have safety on the mind and, yeah, and not disrupting somebody enjoying their afternoon beer. Yeah. So, is, is that something that surprised you, the popularity of the tasting room? You know, did you think it would take off in the way that it did? Or, you know, because... You know, like it, it really was kind of annexed onto the side of the brewery at first, and then it's kind of it's expanded and encroached in a bit more space in within the yeah. brewery. So, is it did it surprise you? I think when we were um, running the numbers and we were setting it up, I think we uh, forecasted like, oh, I think if we sell fifteen growlers a week, that'll be awesome. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> we'll sell two, a, we'll, like half of a Saturday. At the yeah, moment, right? we'll sell two cases a day or two cases a week and fifteen. Like we we didn't expect it. We were hoping that it would do well, yeah. and it has. Uh, but yeah, we weren't expecting it to do as well as it had. Wholesale as well. We 
we were thinking, you know, like we'll sell 10 kegs a week, you know? And so slowly you realize that's just not, that's, you can do way more than that. Yeah. Because people when we, want it. When we wrote our business plan and we set up our numbers, we thought it would take five years to grow into the first line of tanks. Since then we've added a second line and now we're adding a third. And wow. each of those lines is a doubling. Yeah. So we're in two years well beyond where we thought we'd be in five so it's it's that's awesome that's so exciting yeah Yeah, you must be thrilled with that yeah absolutely (laughs) i mean everything about this industry is exciting right now (laughs) the the beers people are producing the events the you know the interest that there is and you know our ability to just be a part of it Mm. i every sunday night i'm like getting really antsy because i can't wait (laughs) to go back to work on monday morning (laughs) wow excellent um, and so I think, you know, we you had showed us a bit of a tour of the, of the new space you guys got here in that giant cool room there. It is massive. Uh, the, yeah. Like you could park <laughs> a couple of cars in there quite easily. Lorries, yeah. 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 <laughs> um, is that sort of a, an idea you're looking at um, a bit more of cold, having more opportunities for cold storage and is that partly a quality thing or just a logistics thing as well? Yeah. Or? Uh, it's both. I mean, it's, so like right now, um, all our cases are at the brewery. Well, not all the cases, but the cases used to be at the brewery and all the kegs were over at this um, other warehouse, mm. the guy who does all the refrigeration work. He built a little teeny cool room for us. Um, so logistically, we're bringing it all into one place um, to save a hell of a lot of time. Um and also our backs, to be honest. Yeah. So we've got pallet racking and a forklift. Um, yeah. Before, everything was hand-unloaded, hand-loaded onto a pallet and loaded onto the truck all by hand. Wow. Um, so now we're trying to reduce that down. So it's just that the amount of uh, hand-loading um, yeah. is reduced significantly. There, are, There is still a certain amount of it, but we're trying to do that. Yeah. Um, the other thing is, uh, yeah... B- Keeping being able to keep everything cold and everything's been kept cold. We, we've always no, always, always have case, done that. Yeah. Um, but being able to, as we grow in volume, we we had to just take the plunge and build six meter high by eleven meter long cool room, and, and to make sure that we could, uh, as we grow, we can fit more more stock in. Um, but hopefully, it's never completely full because we're we're selling everything as yeah. fresh mm, and yeah. goes straight out the door. It's, it's an indication of what we value when you look around. I mean, to paint the picture for listeners, we're sitting around a 12-year-old Ikea desk that's, <laughs> that's lived in two continents. My, my desk uh, is a milk crate with some, some stuffings put on it. And, and anyone who's been to the brewery just knows it's, it's, it is what it is. And we spend our money on you know, quality and, and, and yeah. distribution practices that give people, ideally, the best beer that we can give them. So just more of the same from batch yeah <laughs> yeah it's all part of the charm definitely so i guess the, the the choice would have been do we move the brewery or do we just get a second site was that ever an, a, a a thought or was it always not nah, we're just gonna have to work around the brewery? it's definitely been considered but it was not, not considered for, for very long yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> i mean kind of like oh it'd be nice if we had one one big place but chris and i started like we were just saying that the, the a, it's our sp- it's our home, you know. Yeah. It's spiritually, yeah. and we've built uh, something special there that we don't. I I, I don't really hope. I, I never want to give up. Hopefully, and it actually is a really good spot as well. Yeah, and yeah. it's a, yeah, it's a yeah. great location. Um, so uh, yeah, basically, we're kind of like, oh, it'd be much better if we just kind of brought everything into the one house. But then it's just like you'd have to move, um, cha- get your customers to then say, no, actually, we're somewhere else. And, yeah. yeah. Um, Even this, it's the really hard production because and breaking production yeah. and cost. It's just 
yeah. really expensive. Yeah. So, but this works. So we're happy with this. I mean, this is um, it's literally walking distance. Yeah, yeah it's close. You can walk faster than you can drive. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's got air conditioning in this office, so yeah, it's yeah. it's Which is nice, a, cool. be a nice yeah. change. Yeah. I guess a lot of guys will be fighting in the brewery to see who can come. Yeah, you know, I need to go office. over to the warehouse. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, do you want to talk about what beer we're drinking as well Ooh. while we're here, or what beer you've just drunk, Liam? Well, I've just finished mine. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so this is one of yours. This is the uh, in, in the shade of the mango tree, is it? Yeah. Yep. Chris can tell you all about yeah. it. He's it's um, yeah. Just trying to do the math in my head really quickly. It's it's pretty much forty percent wheat, and that's split between malted and unmalted, and then the rest is uh, Gladfield ale, American ale, uh, neutral yeast. Uh, we got lots of fruit going in there. Uh, it's in the shade of the mango tree, so there's I think eighty kilos of mango fruit goes into a 1200 yeah. liter yeah. batch so it's uh it's a lot of time spent on a ladder trying to get Stuffing. fruit through a, a very small <laughs> hole um, but there's a good whack of hops as well yeah, so definitely this is sort of coming off the back of our tiny coconut bubbles which um you know got a surprising reception that was a bit of a gamble on our part we didn't know what would happen when we took our you know big kahuna concept and made it something pale and a little yeah, bit hoppy yeah. um but again, it's just got that nice sort of subtle texture from the wheat with a bit of fruit and a bit of, of hops. So we get we get a split in terms of people who recognize hop first or fruit first. Um, I've had debates with a lot of people on yeah, yeah. on what is more prominent, but I think it just comes down to the individual's yeah. you know receptors and and mood and the way it's poured. And yeah, I like it. It's like not just shoving a, a mango in your face, and it's actually quite well balanced and. But yeah, it's, it's I'd there. Agree with that. Yeah, I think if I had to choose between the two, I'd be in the fruit first camp. Yeah, I get, I probably get the fruit more than the hops. But as you say, it balances out, and I think what results is a really balanced, sessionable, summery beer. Yeah, you know, every now and then we get really excited about sessionable beer, strength beers, and uh, mm. I think this is one of them for me. I remember That's having this for yeah. the first time about a month or so ago and thinking this just works for an Aussie summer. It's yeah. So, um, the other thing we're seeing, we like, we were just talking before we started recording about you, we've got another, another mango beer to try. And it's always something I've, I don't think I've ever asked you guys before, but there's always been like, the batch beers always seem to come in series and there's commonality between beers for a period and then it sort of changes to another series. Is that something that's a conscious thing or is it just a, look, we've got mangoes, let's put mangoes in two different beers or how does that work? Um, there's definitely, yeah, you, you're, your observation is 100% spot on. It, it, it doesn't come down to we've got mangoes because they don't sit around well. So they're always specifically yeah. ordered and delivered and go straight into the tank. Um, but we do, you know, that was really great. Let's see what happens when we do this. And um, yeah, I mean, we've got a couple of mainstay beers that are permanently on. We periodically do a beer that is just wild and wacky and doesn't get repeated. And then in between, we do have themes or series or you know whether it's a, a couple of brown ales that carry through a season or in this case um some you know nice balanced wheat beers with yeah. a nice adjunct um yeah I, I can't really speak to why we have this mango beer followed by the other one um the other one is it just because you can't pick which one to do so you'll just do both of them to some degree or i think th- i think this one was a coincidence more or less because we are focused on the wheat aspect of this like tiny coconut bubbles and yeah oh, oh, mango would be good and then um Paul. strolling through the, the the green market looking at what's fresh and you know yeah. mangoes are just 
you know they're they're easy enough to process and uh, they are fresh so that's helpful mm-hmm. uh, and then yeah and then we can talk about the other beer in a little while because that's a really interesting and fun thing that we're doing yeah cool yeah awesome i was um looking through untapped earlier this morning just going through the beer list and you guys really have come out with a phenomenal range of beers in the what is it just over two years now that you've been sort of putting stuff out regularly and have you got uh, a number on how many beers yeah do you know how many you've done is 10 a uh, one new beer on average every, every 10 days that's phenomenal yeah i mean that is phenomenal yeah, yeah so that puts us in it was like 70, 70 odd beers in two years yeah. yeah yeah that's bordering on like Mikula. <laughs> level of, of beers and yeah. <laughs> of, of, of ranges of beers yeah yeah this this coming year so we're we're just into the first month of our third year and you know we've got a really fantastic brewing team we're really pleased with with what we've been able to build and uh the mandate for them this year is to to maintain that innovation so not right. to slow down yeah not to rest on our our recipe book and uh and to keep testing and you know, really make sure that when we do put out something that is a little wild and wacky, uh, where in the past it might have been a gamble, in the future it will be very much execution based we on have what we've tested. Two plus years of experience to to help with that as well, I guess. Yes, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And what I think is good as well is that you actually managed to get the beer out quite widely in the certainly in the local area. So there's lots of bottle shops that will carry it. You get it out to quite a few pubs as well, not just the usual suspect pubs. You, you actually see batch beers in in some other, you know lesser lesser crafty places as well in the local area in the in the local suburbs and that's great you know that you can you've got yeah. that penetration into the local area well that, that is, that's a great thing because it means that um not only people people are more familiar with us and they're more willing to give us a go but also the the pubs um more of the traditional pubs like my locals yep. the gladstone hotel and Del, Del chill yeah um you know and they've got well we never pushed our beer onto them they've got the american paleo and um they asked us if they could put it on because they're kind of like, well, we, you know, it's, it, we're getting to the point now where we need something different for our consumers because yeah. they, they want to drink something different. It's not just the standard rushes and VB yeah. anymore. Great. So it's great because the, the traditional pubs are kind of, are coming yeah. along. Always good to hear that. Yeah. So I think in the next few years, we'll see a lot of pubs. I mean, you know, everyone's still going to have VB and he's new and stuff like that on, on tap. But I think those traditional pubs will start more, more and more open up their taps to have, to allow us to, yeah. to, to get on. Or craft brewers, rather. I guess not even pubs. What we're seeing is like that casual to fine dining um, sector, which is you know group booming as well. They're starting to pay a bit more attention to their beer offering. Yeah, you know we're no longer seeing like a restaurant with a three hundred page wine list and then Crown Lager and Peroni on tap yeah. or in the bottle as their beer offering. Um, yeah, I was talking. I was talking to someone who went to um, Esther in Chippendale yesterday. They were having like tuataras and stuff like that. Yeah, or you know, LP's quality meats always have a small but really good range of craft offering. And so that's that's another thing that's really seeing interesting as well. It's like not only just the local pubs, but the restaurants are sort of having to wake up and go shit. We need to yeah get involved. People are wanting this. Yeah, yeah, and we uh, well, that's an area of opportunity for us massively. Uh, it's just logistically, it's hard to get to. Yeah, it, like you, you don't want to stock those guys up with too much beer because they go through it slower. So you know, it's like a case, sure. a case yeah. here and a case there. But the, the one of the challenges for us in those places, and it's a good challenge, is but like a lot, a lot, and I think venues are changing because they used to say, "Well, I just want something for my menu." Uh, you just have to give me, give me the same thing for the next year. You know, you can, I'll put you on the menu, well, and I never have to think about it's it like again. <laughs> uh, but I think, and, and for us, that was difficult because we had 
the, for a while, only the American Pale Ale and now yep. American Pale Ale on West Coast. But they're changing, they're changing their kind of attitude like largely as well. I think people don't realize that they have to change the menu up and they have to change if they yeah. want fresh and new things. Yeah, beer is unique. It's not like your standard liquor and your wine. You don't, you <laughs> it don't stock up on yeah. wine and, yeah. and print, the, print the menu and keep it there forever. Mm-hmm. It's, it's constantly changing. It's got a two-week production cycle, longer in some cases, so things can come out faster. Mm-hmm. And, you know, hopefully some of our variety and the variety of other brewers is forcing some of this onto the onto the you know venue managers to just change it's a minor tweak so you stop printing a menu and you start using a chalkboard yeah yes. small, yeah easy yep. yeah so in terms of the the strategy behind the expansion is it literally more of the same then so you the extra capacity means that your regular run beers you can produce more of them but you can still do the same sort of experimentation maybe doing them in slightly larger batch sizes as well yeah i think we've got and chris can expand on it more but i think we'll have um we have a lot more confidence now to do like those one-off batches in in bigger format. Yeah, I have we have a wider audience. Uh, mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, last year we would have been like, oh no, we we shouldn't do a twenty-four hectare batch. We should do a twelve. So, you know, things like in the shade of the mango tree, I think we went and I think we went straight into a double a double batch of that, um, just because we 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 knew we had a product that we um, we were comfortable with the recipe and we knew we had something that people would like. Great. Assuming yeah. we brewed a good beer, but which which we always do, but. Um. So yeah, I think we're, we're definitely going to innovate more and and but have the confidence to go bigger. But Chris has got uh, a, a plan of of kind of new new and exciting things okay. coming out. So it's mostly yeast strain driven. So we're going to start cool. you know rolling awesome. through a couple of different series of yeast strains, which yeah. will dictate right. a series of beers again. Um, and and then when the weather starts to cool off a little bit and the equipment's not totally stressed, we're going to start to do some loggers. Uh, okay, something cool. you know yeah. sessionable uh hopefully we're you know executing you know precisely and nailing what we're trying to do i guess you'll have the tank space we can actually do that now yeah 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 so like andrew said we're not going to jump to fill these tanks immediately yeah. but we might end up finding ourselves filling them with things that are going to sit around for six weeks or cool. six months yeah i mean coming before the end of february we're going to um punch out our you know our uh, russian imperial stout the tank six which will sit around for six months or so before it gets yeah. packaged and yeah. conditioned yeah. again. Uh, but also in terms of you know product uh, delivery format, you know we've got some goals around where we'd like to you know potentially use some cans and um, push it out in different formats to make it you know easier to Good. to get your hands on in, in yeah. a wider wider though not wider than Sydney uh, area. I'm glad you said that, and we didn't have to ask the question ourselves. So that's, what, about, that's cans? Yeah, about cans. <laughs> we dying, seem to ask everyone about cans. cans. Yeah, <laughs> this one in particular, I think, in the shade of the mango tree, would just be great in that format. You know? Oh, yeah, it would be. Yeah. It would be. We're we're thinking, and we'll probably do American Pale on West Coast IPA to start yep. off with. It, yep. it, the way because it's uh, and this is a uh, I suppose a, a marketing or a thing. That just I, I'm struggling to figure out how we can do different batches in in a in a blank yeah can, not a blank can, but use the swing tag so if we can figure that out we can be, we'll be able to put like one-off batches and stuff like yeah, that right. so I'm, I'm, we're thinking about that but so the issue that off, is the minimum run of getting the cans is that yeah it's the minimum run on cans yeah. it's, you know and then it's um uh how much you have to pack and and all that kind of yeah. stuff we're working through that but i think we'll probably start off uh, on a bit safe and then see and then kind of move into that like yeah. the one-off batches hopefully we can make that happen as you start making these successful experimentation batches there must be a lot of pressure from the customers to rebrew this this, this stuff and make it kind of regular right so you know something like 
in the shade of the mango tree there's going to be people wanting this every summer now so that, how does that fit in with your kind of oh we'll you know we'll see what we do we'll, we'll you know keep moving from one experiment to the next and you know without much structure is there pressure to go towards a more seasonal model rather than just random batches uh, yes i think there is uh, but also you know our growth thus far has enabled us to keep up with you know satisfying that pressure while still bolting on right. into mm-hmm. the new tanks additional you know creative products um i don't know what's going to happen next because we next door to us on the left is a car park next door to us on the right is somebody with a very long lease so we can't put any more tanks in we're done right. like after yeah. this installation there is no uh easy growth unless you want to expand into the entertainment business next door <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> got to focus on beer <laughs> we, we both value having being married <laughs> i want to keep it that way yeah <laughs> um so i mean you know we were talking about the fact that you're having an expander reach in sydney have you ever set any parameters of where your beers won't go because i'm assuming at the moment it's all in sydney or new south wales or at the moment it's all in the interwestern cbd uh a little bit of lower North Shore, and then there's the odd kind of like Western suburbs. Blue Mountains. Uh, or, yeah, because yeah, they'll come and pick it up or, yeah. or something. So if someone wants to come and pick it up and take it straight back, that's cool with us. Um, so, yeah, I think with, with these with these new fermenters, uh, I'd like to see just further uh, us getting further or deeper into the inner west and CBD, a little bit more the eastern suburbs, a little bit more lower North Shore. Mm-hmm. Um, I honestly think if we... Um, if we play our cards right, I mean, we could almost fill these fermenters. Thank you. Almost fill these fermenters um, by just focusing on this local area and still yeah. keeping it local. Yeah. But having said that, we'll probably, like, I would like, I mean, I'm getting demand from the Blue Mountains. I'm getting demand from some places out in the Western Suburbs. So we'd like to be able to service those guys, uh, you know, maybe on a monthly basis or, or something. Mm-hmm. So I think yeah. we need to start considering doing more of that. But with this with this um, expansion, we're, we're still not planning on going interstate because I right. don't I don't I don't think we don't have our logistics um, nailed down yet. And yeah. it's not that you can't get cold logistics; it's just the the price point and how do you make sure once once you send on the truck, it's going to then stay cold until it gets to the yeah, yeah. until the pub or the bottle shop. Right. So we we're um, are you getting offers from interstate or uh, people uh, people asking for beers? Yeah, 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 yeah all the time. Yeah. Um, and I feel bad because I'm always saying sorry. Yeah. Um, so uh, what we're going to try and do is have kind of like a one-off batches um, yeah. and pre-sell them and say like to Melbourne in the winter time or something like that and start to, start taking those steps to get those logistics in place and say, okay, we've got 18 kegs, pre-sell them to a certain amount of pubs and try and have them sent down just yeah. to appease those markets. But we don't plan on having any um, uh, solid distribution in any other market. So it's the beer equivalent uh, of the in and out pop up pretty much. Yeah. 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 Um, so that's what, that's, that's what we'd like to do. Um, a little bit into Melbourne, a little bit into Canberra, maybe to Brisbane. Um, yeah, cool. Uh, maybe what do you see stuff like, you know, like beer weeks and stuff like that as an opportunity where you can, you know, like if someone's doing, a, you know, a New South Wales tap takeover in, in Brisbane for Brisbane beer week or something like that is, is that one way you can appease it or you'd rather just do it yourself and, I think ideal, like I think that's something that we can definitely be involved in. But I mean, we kind of have this thing that's where if we can pop up outside of the norm when when everyone's activating around the same time from a brand perspective, we would yeah. get it would go further. 
Yeah. So I think the beer weeks are a good time to kind of dabble in a couple of things, but I, I wouldn't necessarily target yeah. those. I would use those maybe to go up there and have fun and then tee up something later. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's Product much better research. to be a spectator yeah. Yeah. Than, than working. Yeah, yeah 100%. <laughs> Speaking of beer weeks, have, have you guys ever been approached by Gabs to do something? Uh, they Well, they asked us uh, last year, and we just weren't ready okay. to do a beer um, yet. This year we chased them and found out that I think all the slots were taken oh, before, right. before new entrants even had a chance. So. Okay, we're still doing a beer anyway, though. We're hoping that we still get the opportunity to, to enter into it. And if not, they told us we could feature it at, on at, like the stalls on the stands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. cool. So um, I don't know if you want to really uh, talk about that at all. Not really. It's still That's under. Cool. Yeah. It's still, <laughs> still testing. It's Merrickville inspired. This still is. Yeah. Let's just put it that Depends way. Depends on how many mangoes they can get hold of. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just while we're still talking about. Um, the beer range and everything like that. Have you ever come up with a concept for a beer and then realized you've already done it? Not yet. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> I'm sure that's going to happen this coming year. <laughs> I came up for an idea uh, for a beer while we were sitting there talking about tiny coconut bubbles, which is like basically just mixing. I want to do black and tans. I sent you an email yes, yeah. while you were talking. And uh, I was like, oh, how cool would it be to do a big kahuna and a tiny coconut bubbles as a black and tan? It's like a twin set. Yeah, well, tw- yeah. Twin set. You can mix them together, or we. You know, it's it's how you have to have them side by side. You pour them. So, mm. oh, sorry. Um, yeah. Did you, ever, yeah. <laughs> did you ever see? Um, do we do we go to the bathroom? Mo- yeah, yeah. <laughs> did you ever see Moondog had the? Was it like the old fashioned one? Where it was like the two? Yeah. Two things, and I um I saw one photo, of one shot. They had it on tap, where they basically like welded a cocktail shaker. So it was two taps poured into this one cocktail shaker and mixed in the cocktail shaker and came out as one beer. Brilliant. So basically opened two taps <laughs> for two different beers. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds like that. They would do yeah. that, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I never. I, I just saw a photo of it, but I was like, that's fucking genius, yeah. So, yeah, something like that would be cool. Yeah, they but take, I think the fun is also in the experimentation. Stuff. Like, don't tell people the ratios or, you know, like... Well, decide for yourself what's best. Exactly right. And if you get it wrong, you go back and buy more. <laughs> you just have to buy a second Try it one. again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, with your with your guys' heritage and, you know, the fact that you probably, I, I think you've both gone back to the States quite a few times in the, while opening here, do you sort of get a bit of comparison of how Sydney and Australia beer-wise is going compared to the States? And are we still just following or are we starting to forge our own path a bit and... The U.S. is is interesting. I mean, there's obviously, you know, a top tier of brewers who are incredibly innovative, doing fantastic products. And then when you get down to the local tier, which I would consider more comparable to what we are, um, I'd say Sydney's holding its own very well. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you break the U.S. down, and, and again, you get rid of that that top, multi, you know, nationally distributed group of brands. Uh, the the local guys, you know, they they are conscious of who their local customer is, just like we are, and mm-hmm. you can't get too far ahead of your customer. I mean, you want to bring them along on the journey, but if you're making beers that are that are way too complicated for them, then your your business isn't going to be around next year. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, we we like to throw a few things out there from time to time that are big misses because the customers just aren't really into it, or you know, it's just bad. Um, well, at the same time, just making sure that we keep giving people beers that, that intrigue them, but also satisfy them. Yeah. But aren't, aren't overly degree, complex yeah. and mm. unapproachable. Mm. So I'd say, yeah, Sydney, and I can only speak for Sydney because I don't get to Melbourne too often or Brisbane, yeah. but uh, it's, it's holding its own, definitely. 
I mean, just looking at the range of beers that sat on the, the desk in front of you, I mean, there's an oak-aged heavy ale there, there's the big mango-flavoured IPA, you know, you managed to get quite a bit out there into the market, and most of it seems to be pretty well received from what I've seen, you know, as we go, as time goes on as well, I think, you know, the quality's showing through more and more as well. Oh, and glad to hear that, thank yeah, you. Yeah, no, I mean, the last year's been, in particular, has been particularly impressive. The one thing I found really interesting with Batch, and like, you know, sitting in, uh, in the bar at, at the brewery and just the cross section of people you get coming through there like they're not all the the latte sipping fixie bike riding hipsters of this area um, although you know that's part of your customer base as well but like you get a real mix of ages and and different styles of people who yeah all, I, 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 that's awesome mm. because we don't want to we want to be inclusive so yeah of course um, and, and like really Marrickville is such a, a multicultural and such a rich tapestry of history and cultures yeah. area anyway yeah and I, I think um i i think the the range of beers i, I think part partial part of that reason is because and what i was going to go and say with my interpretation of the states is like i think we are we're putting out some like more challenging stuff out there like higher abvs or like double ipas or whatever mm-hmm. it is but a lot of it's still and this is australia for the most part still focused on um sessionability and there's still kind of yeah um, the beers that you got to put out got to be high quality, but also something. This is a country, even though alcohol consumption is down, people still like to have a couple of, uh, a couple of beers of, and they don't want to be left with too much bitterness in their mouth or too much alcohol, and, right. or the, you know whatever mm-hmm. it is. Um, and I think we're we're putting out a nice like even range of beers that kind of you know kind of suit uh, a wide range of palates. When I was in the states over Christmas. I noticed um, I had a lot of really great beers, but there's a lot of beers that's de- it's definitely like there the palate's kind of like at the next level uh, where everything's just, it's, everything's, the IPAs are the session beers. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. Everything's like, it's over and above that. And I was kind of like, oh, why, why can't we just get like a pale ale somewhere just so you can have a few of those? So I think it's definitely... Um, so you're actually finding it a bit too heavy or a bit too extreme as the, when you're in the States? Yeah, I did. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I thought, I mean, I thought that I had tons of great beers, but I thought like, like on the, the tap bank was... Um, everything was a bit too extreme. Yeah. Um, and there was no, like, it was either, it's either like you're drinking craft beer and it's all a bit crazy, um, good crazy, yeah. or it's like Miller Lite. <laughs> so, there's you know no what I mean? Ground. It was like yeah. there's no middle ground. Yeah. And I thought that was really interesting where I feel like Australia's got the middle, still has the middle ground covered. Yeah. yeah. In my opinion. Just, nah, one, yeah, I, just I, wonder I, if that's a sign of a mature craft beer market whereby everything does have to be, you know, extreme to get grab attention and, you know, the, kind of more approachable stuff just doesn't get a look in anymore because yeah I mean not to take it to a boring place but the tax system definitely restrains where brewers can go yeah yeah that being said I think it's easy to just load up on hops and alcohol and cover up your mistakes and just bash people's palates and just have this nuclear arms race Mm. whereas you know we have to take a more subtle you know tactical approach to to making sure we nail process and uh, and keep things at that moderate level yeah. still excite people yeah which I think is a I mean for the climate or the, the country we're yeah. in is a bigger is a bigger challenge so I think in the long term it's going to suit our craft market Australia's craft market is yeah. better for it yeah. um, because I, the US is trending back anyway so in one sense we're ahead of that curve yeah but I saw also say like like, like the looking at subtlety and nuance and subtle nuances is a bit more of a maturity thing like I used to say, I've said, I've said a few times, in fact, like there's a correlation between like 
people getting into like craft beer, people getting, or you know, good beer, people getting into wines, people getting into whiskeys, that you go for the really big blockbusters to start with, be it your massive West Coast style IPAs or your peated whiskeys or your big Barossa Shirazes, and then as your palate develops, you look a bit more subtlety and nuance. And so I think, yeah, like in a way, like you're saying, it's, it's easy just to do it really big. And then, like, as your palate develops, you don't need... Like, you, I still enjoy massive IPAs and really hopped beers or high-alcohol beers, but I look for other things as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, I, in a way, I sort of see it as a sign of the maturity of... Uh, we're, we're still growing. We're still a young beer-consuming nation um, in terms of good beer and quality beer. And so I think it's a sign of maturity that we're sort of looking that way as well. And like you said, it is, yeah. it's much better for our climate. Yeah. So we're now on a onto an English beer, Siren Craft Brewery. It's actually a Braggart, which is a um, a beer mead cross. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you Mr. explain Jim. it better than we could. Uh, my understanding is a Braggart is not using hops, but using some other you know bittering agent. Uh, I don't know that it has to have a mead element, but. Certainly is a sweet. It certainly is complex. It's mm. a lot of flavor going on yeah, in this it. one's yeah. with honey and malt. I think, yeah. Um, I haven't really it's had nice. a, lo- a lot of braggots that I liked, but this is pretty cool. I like, I it. like it, yeah. So, yeah, this is a sour braggot, yeah. The tartness definitely adds a nice yeah. element, and the balance without the sweetness is pretty mm. cool, yeah. Mm. I think, yeah, it does. It, it comes out pretty well at the end, you know, that yeah. balance between sour and, and the honey sweetness. I think works really nicely. I don't believe I've ever had this style of beer. Oh, cool, yeah. I haven't had many of them, that's for no, sure. I might have had one in the past, but it's yeah. Definitely, it's a bit funky in the nose. Yeah, the but taste is better than yeah, the yeah, aroma. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty strong. It's 8.5%, which is strong <clears throat> for an English beer. Yes, it's strong for a <laughs> breakfast beer too, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but you guys have uh, dabbled in a few sours over the last couple of years. Yeah, our equipment um, has enabled us to do some some what I'd like to call domesticated sours. I mean, we're using lacto in the kettle. But then we're boiling it off so that no, none of the bugs are getting transferred right. to our cellaring equipment or our tanks. Okay. Uh, they're, they're relatively quick turnaround beers, which is great for us mm-hmm. economically. I mean, we don't have tank space or storage space to, to lay things down for, you know, six months or yeah. three years. I'd love to be able to. Maybe that's, you know, on the cards for the future. But, um, yeah, we really enjoy being able to do what we can do. And, you know, the more we do it, the better we get at it. And, you know, the more robust our culture gets. And um, we've got one sitting in the back in a in a, a keg just waiting to get, you know, back into some work, which, right. you know, is on the cards for February. And we've got one in the tanks right now, which is uh, chewing through some, some nectarines. Okay. It's picking up some, some pretty cool flavors. Um, How long do you think till that one's going to be ready to go? Is it a bit up to the gods at this stage? It, it is, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think it's getting pretty close. I mean, the last taste I have had of it was indicating, you know, it's getting to where it needs to be. So that could that could be this week, but we'll see. Excellent. Yeah, my sister loses her shit every time you guys put on Instagram that you're making the sour. I get I got multiple phone calls today saying, "Can you ask when that beer's going to be ready?" <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> on Facebook, I committed it as this week, and then I was told, "Ah, shit." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was told it might take a bit longer. <laughs> That's music to my ears. Yeah, you, you were like, it's yes. almost done. Ready to go. Yes. <laughs> Topher plowed through uh, 150 kilos of nectarines, so he had to sit there and pit each one and then cut it, <laughs> cut it into little shapes and uh, get it into the tank. Wow. Um, so he just 
for the sake of getting through it, couldn't cut it up as fine as he wanted. So there's a little bit less surface area than some of the other fruits we've done that are smaller and mm-hmm. just get access to the flavor faster. So this this one might take a little longer, but yeah, Friday afternoon when I had a taste of it, it was it was it was nice and balanced. So I'm happy with it. How do you cal- sorry? How do you calculate how much fruit you want to add? Uh, it's just trial and error to start, and then building off of that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, chapeau is something we we want to load up on fruit. We want lots of color and mm-hmm. lots of you know acidity from the fruit as well as the beer. Um, you know, as we start to trickle into different fruits you just have to give some thought to what the fruit looks like and how big it is how potent it is and with the the nectarines it was a question of how much flesh you're going to get from a, the tonnage of fruit yeah. um so we we went up a little bit just to to factor in how much loss there'd be yeah, cool. but we're generally targeting something from experience and, and going from there yeah I can't imagine the labor that would have to go into <laughs> doing that to 150 kilos of nectarines. Oh, how long did it take? Uh, it took it, him like two days, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was doing it over two days. That's all. Yeah, I, mean. I would, yeah, I would well. say a good six <clears throat> hours over. So 12 hours in total. Shit. Yeah. He kept on asking if I wanted to help. I was like, yeah, yeah I'll be back to help. <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to run and do something. Yeah. <laughs> I guess, like, um, you know, like. The f- uh, we've talked to a couple of brewers about the fear of almost a beer like that being too popular and having to do it again. I guess you guys have set yourself quite well. Where you can just go, oh well, you know, we've done that one. We'll move on to something else. Whereas uh, you know, like the you know the story of a taco with two birds, and now the fact that they have to sit there as a on a weekly schedule and peel limes, <laughs> and like <laughs> because the beer became too popular. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Luckily, we don't have that problem. <laughs> it all comes down to how willing we are to do it. Really, yeah. Oh, well, you can say that's not in the season, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, true, true. Um, Chris, you talked a bit of, uh, slightly on taxation with alcohol volume. I understand it's a, an area you're quite passionate in, or you have you have a, quite a formed opinion on. Yeah. Do you want to talk about that slightly without getting on your soapbox too much, if you don't want to? Well, I don't <laughs> want to put everyone to sleep. But, <laughs> uh, it, it is frustrating. I mean, it's a global economy. I mean, you guys shop at the bottle shops every day and get to choose whatever you want coming from around the world. And some of the countries, the U.S. in particular, you know, biggest market, easiest target, they they have incredible benefits in terms of uh, tax rebates and, you know, subsidies that are, you know, boosting up the, the industry. Yes, when that beer lands here, it's taxed at the full Australian rate. But when you've been growing your business for, you know, 20 years, 30 years in a in a environment a climate that is nurturing you get to be big enough to produce a fantastic quality beer that can stand up the rigor of, of international travel yeah mm. and then land in a country that's in its infancy and that's you know that's unfair mm. so i'd love to see the brewing industry rally to this unfortunately everyone is just running a business i mean that's the nate that's the reality of an infant industry yeah. is that people don't have time for the bigger picture stuff sometimes so it's really going to come down to the bigger players who have the resources have you know an executive team who can actually put some labor into this and that's you know that's what the cbia is designed to do so yeah. hopefully as the industry matures people will be able to to really make some change and and and, and want to push for some change mm. i'm not sure that that desire is actually there um i might be you know, we might be standing alone on this one. 
uh, in which case nothing's going to happen, but I don't know. Is it something you could see yourself at the forefront, you know, actually trying to drive within the industry over here? Uh, I would certainly be happy to give it a crack. I just need to hear some support from people yeah, that they actually want to see it. I mean, David Holyoke and, and uh, Red Oak are fantastic at what they do. Sometimes they're a little bit too far out maybe, but, um, you know, his white paper from a few years ago is fucking bang on. Yeah, So. Yeah. Whether the time was wrong or the way he went about it was wrong, I don't know. Um, but it's, it's the science and, and the economics are real. So yeah. if, if people want uh, to be able to compete globally, then we have to consider that. If we want to keep having to compete against you know fantastic beer that's been you know subsidized for thirty years, and, and we can all just sit back and let that be the, the reality. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it definitely seems to be like a very inclusive industry where everyone wants to help each other out. But so it's. I guess this is the next stage of that maturity is beginning a bit more organized. And we're seeing it with CBI and stuff like that as well. But it's getting the time. Yeah, yeah. It's, it needs to be a bit more effective, I think. But yeah. Yeah. I think there might be something cultural as well where, you know, one one head of a, of a well-established brand said to me, you know, you don't always want to be the guy shaking the trees because you'd just be seen as, you know, a pain in the ass. Mm-hmm. Whereas in, in the States, in the culture I grew up in, you're you know you're encouraged to do that kind of thing yeah. make change you know change doesn't happen unless you get up and do it uh here maybe the culture is just a little different where you know it might be painted wrongly for trying to do that so if, oh, if i if i heard passionately um feelings on it and it's you know it's and like it sounds like it's not something you want to do just for yourself but for the industry as a whole i don't Thing that should be seen as a negative thing there, there are some very easy mechanisms and and uh i forget the name of the organization in victoria but um they have their own sort of state-based organization and and they have you know a pretty simple change that could make that would that would have a dramatic impact on the industry and that mm-hmm. that thirty thousand dollar excise refund that yes. small brewers yeah. are entitled to you just have to add a zero and all of a sudden we all have enough money to yeah. add a quality control lab and yeah. people and jobs and you know the 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 industry matures overnight because we have access to the funds to do that none of these small brewers are just going to go home and buy a mercedes it's that's not the reality (laughs) it's not a tax grab it's it's growing a an industry that's going to employ people yeah yeah well put man it's interesting because i think to some to some respects the drinks industry is seen in australia a lot more like it is in the uk than it is in the u.s you know it's seen as a problem it's seen as a you know drink the uh, binge drinking results from it and then you get you know the lockout laws all come from that and you know mm-hmm. people getting hit in the street and it's all you know all you know the drinks industry is responsible for all of this yeah, so it's seen it's seen in a negative light but craft so, beer shouldn't be put in that thing it's, no it's, it is it's though. the That's alternative the that like yeah. i've never seen uh, a glassing or a fight in a in a brewery cellar door or in a tasting room <laughs> no, i've absolutely. never seen any violence or alcohol issues related to someone sitting and having too many beers or you know, having a session at at a at a brewery, yeah. like people getting into fights at three o'clock in the morning haven't been you know been drinking, drinking batch beers. Craft beer. been like, yeah. but you can guarantee that in <laughs> yeah. the newspaper article will have a picture a picture of a glass of beer there. You know, yeah. most of these people won't have been drinking beer at all. They'll have been drinking you know shots and spirits and you know cheap throw it down your neck. Actually, some illegal drugs thrown in there as yeah, well. Yeah, exactly. exactly but yeah. beer's the one that gets you know. Yeah, it's true. Shown as the you know the bad guy. Yeah, I, I guess like what you what you're touching on is the fact that. Um, from a government point of view, they don't want to help the yeah. industry because it's, so it's that whole thing not be, no. good to be seen to be pro-alcohol at this stage. I, I, I think it's really interesting that 
th there is that stance taken given the amount of revenue that um, governments uh, make out, guys, of, yeah. out of yeah. excise that they should want to to foster this quality over quantity um, argument and, and help these businesses grow because as you say it's not um, it's not our beer that necessarily that these guys are drinking yeah. before they go and we, we, we do not promote heavy consumption of our alcohol it's all responsible consumption um, and it costs you a hell it's going to cost you a hell of a lot more to get drunk off of our products than it is somebody else so I think these are these things that they need to they're making a lot of money out of it they, we, they shouldn't shun it they should put money back in for education and, and all that kind of stuff and I, I, I could be wrong but I don't see I don't see I, I see them taking the money and then not necessarily putting it back mm -hmm. into educating the public about um, alcohol and, and, and that sort of thing yeah so. I, I, I agree with you definitely and like you said this is an alternative like don't be that wankers out in the cross at three in the morning you know, have a educated and you know, and a session where you, you're not, bat, uh, you know, bolt smashing pierce, but you're sitting there having smaller glasses and actually appreciating something. Yeah. The, the the yeah the political, you know, will is there for change. I mean, the wine industry has been incredibly successful. Yeah. They have such a generous uh, excise or yeah. excise equivalent yeah. regime. Yeah. So the, the the wine lobby has been successful. I just I'm looking forward to when the brewing lobby actually begins it doesn't really there's nothing there now but there's potential um and yeah i mean you don't see people smashing bottles of wine over each other's heads and you don't see you know people smashing batch bottles over each other's yeah, exactly heads right. so. yeah. yeah thankfully <laughs> it's a waste of a good beer yeah <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of the bottles um you've got four of them sat there in front of you um you've kind of taken an interesting tack with the the package produce so you've got the bottles that are all the same they're branded batch and then you've got the labels that hang around the neck of the bottle which is something as far as i'm aware is pretty unique in australia or certainly in this part of australia at i least. haven't seen it before yeah yeah where did that come from and why do you do it well uh when when chris and i were um setting up the brewery and we decided to call the brewery batch because we wanted to do uh batch brewed beer so create uh, variety and mm -hmm. innovation and that sort of thing um, it, it became really hard we, we realized that, that the typical kind of bottle convention and label convention um, you know like you might you get on this uh, Uncle Zester uh, label was going to be really hard for us to um, come up with a new beer uh, get new artwork get it all printed that was cost effective so we had to basically work on something that was going to allow us to um, change constantly, right? And so the swing tag uh, came out of that. So it allow us allowed us. Um, we kind of realized we want to do use stamps and that sort of thing um, yep. as part of our brand and spray um, paint and spray at the, <laughs> at the time spray paint. <laughs> and uh, so this this lent itself to us being able to to change. So initially, all the bottles just had a black stamp of batch on it, and then you know we went to Office Works and picked up the um, I don't even know what they're called. Just the the stamps that you could change Push letters down. on. Uh, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and that's still what we use. Um, and we realized that was just a really great way to communicate, and it looked smart. Uh, the kernel uh, in London, yep. their kind of design yep. uh, was a big influence on how we came up with some of this stuff. So Brad's um, a massive kernel fan. Yeah. So, <laughs> so um, we we kind of took some of their cues, and that's how we developed it. And we and we've we've progressed it on. So now we're doing different colors. 
uh, to denote different styles of beer. Soon, hopefully, we'll do different color bottle caps and then um, also different color uh, labels on the body just, just to help show people in, you know, at, in the shop front that it's, it's different, like green's an IPA, yeah. blue is a lager or um, okay. a lighter t- style. And you've and you've just got the one size, the the larger bottle, the six forty mil, which at the moment, yeah, at the moment, is and that growler, yeah, <clears throat> is it plans to, or thoughts to go to a smaller bo- bottle at all, or are you uh, happy with that? More cans, yeah. Cans we invested okay. in a piece of equipment that isn't adjustable in terms okay. of the size, right. so the next step would be, yeah, cans, yeah. yeah. It's certainly, I mean, that's another way of you know the beers standing out when you're in a a bottle shop that's got. A massive range. You see yeah. these big bottles with the the tags hanging around the neck, and they, you know, that that, stand out. that was very much a conscious decision. Um, I, and not yeah, like I don't want to get into too much detail because it's it's boring. But um, consumers, uh, p- people shop quite frequently, yep. who are want to drink something new and different. They yeah. go in the bottle shop three times a week, and they, um, you know. Uh, they've got a certain amount that they want to spend on it, and they also want something that's a little bit bigger than the 330 mil or 375 mm-hmm. mil bottle. So we kind of fit, uh, we decided to fit into that kind of like um, drink now. Yeah. Uh, and I'm exploring uh, kind of shopping behavior. So we went, that's basically what we were targeting. But we're getting into the stage now where the American, uh, American Pale Ale is, we, we think that people want to buy it more often. That's the reason why I think we'll, we'll go into a canned format. I, I don't really want to go into a six-pack format. I just kind of feel it's like too traditional. There's something yeah. about it that I think it makes us kind of like, we feel like we're doing, fitting into what, what right. everyone's doing. So okay. when we do the cans, it's still going to be like kind of, you know, four or 500 mil cans uh, right. with, you know, in a four-pack. Yeah, um, something that's substantial uh, feels like a drinking a pint or whatever. Yeah. So I always love like little creatures pint bottles. I think are absolutely yeah. fantastic. Yeah, yeah, I agree. We yeah. we really wanted to kind of start going out with something like that in a smaller format, but that just wasn't available to us. So we had yeah. to go to six forty mil. Okay, so we jumped on this to the next beer. Yeah, it's tasting awesome. I haven't tr- smelled it. Uh, I haven't tasted it. Yet. I've just got the whack coming yeah. from the glass on the nose. It's amazing. So this one is a new one that hasn't been released yet. Is, yeah, it's just, about to be released very shortly. Just backing up from the beard to the glass, uh, we've we've had a little bit of conversation in the past about you know our choice of glassware. Yeah. And thankfully, that's you know we've reached a point where we can evolve. Um, and what you guys have just poured yourself uh, into is is the, the latest addition to our glassware fleet. Yeah, so, yeah. Which we're trying this, to yeah. you know not get to the point where we have a different glass for every beer, but where we can. You know, bolt on another glass to just enhance the the experience. So this is the butt plug, as you affectionately call it. <laughs> but it's not the ribbed one. Uh, this, this, one's, um, this one's yeah, a lot more rigid in its design than the butt plug. But yeah, so I'm, I'm glad you guys grabbed that for this this, be- <laughs> this beer that we are releasing uh, tomorrow, which is Big Paul's Mango IPA. Uh, there's a bit of a story behind that, which I'll I'll let Andrew explain. But the beer itself is um, is Paul Nicodem's creation so he's a home brewer and a customer who comes in and has periodically shared beers with us and we were just blown away by the transition he's made from you know entry-level brewer to somebody who's you know really paying attention to the details and 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 getting it done and Mm. making it you know very presentable so we wanted to to launch this uh this next thing that we're going to do using him and his beer so he came in for a brew day uh, we tweaked his recipe 
only minorly just to to get it onto our commercial system and uh and have now yeah brewed this big sort of american style ipa that is fermented again re-fermented with mangoes awesome it's got a great aroma as well oh, it's yeah, so good really good. <laughs> <laughs> i'm loving this it's everyone's first taste ah yeah that's beautiful yeah so we're we um this is uh, i guess i'm explaining it, but this is really chris's idea we are um in griffith during the barley harvest and sitting uh in the at the airport after we had drove driven combine the voyager malt guys combines the day before or <laughs> headers header it's called a header down here sorry um which is an awesome experience Sitting in the airport before we got on the plane to almost the die. The plane ride of death. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're driving down to Griffith from now on. Listen, listen. And yeah, Chris kind of mentioned to me that, you know, we, we want to include homebrewers uh, in that we want to create more of a community for them, at least through, through Batch. And how awesome would it be is if we. Um, got them got them in to be able to brew a beer so we kind of like really quickly came up with this format um which was and paul's really lucky because he's gotten to kind of go straight to the big system but what we're going to launch um from tomorrow is that we're going to call out for home brewers um to submit some entries into us uh, by the middle of the month and then by the end of march uh, an actual beer that they've brewed in between mm-hmm. their entry submission um Three will be chosen from there. We'll then uh, kind of three of the brewer, three of the brewers will guide them on our Sabco system, which is our pilot system, in three days consecutively. So the beers will all come out right at the same time. Cool. Um, to help them a scale up their recipe into a fifty liter batch, but also make sure they kind of understand the different consistencies, so that everyone's kind of getting a consistent product. Mm-hmm. And then we're, we're basically going to put it on tap on our test fridge um, at the bar and kind of put it out to the public and allow people to kind of vote on. Uh, what they think is the is the best beer, and then the winner of that will get to brew a commercial batch. That's great, awesome. um, and all the profits across everything that we sell will go to charity as well. So with, for right. Big, Big yeah. Paul's Mango, uh, this one is just going to go to Pink Boots, awesome. and then cool. um, after that, it will be uh, chosen by the, the by entry. the brewer. Yeah, that's terrific. Yeah. Or default Pink Boots or something yeah. like that. So yeah. That's a so really nice idea. I like that. You know, yeah, we're excited about it. I think, yeah, it's it's it'll it will kind of it'll get drawn out over several months, um, and it'll keep a lot of homebrewers, I think, in, involved and invested. And if everyone's is is into it, then we'll just kind of keep on doing it. You know what I mean? It'll probably be like once once a quarter or yeah, or, yeah. or twice a year or something like that. So yeah, I think it could be a lot. Of, I think it's gonna be a lot of fun. Should That's be a great, lot of fun. Yeah. Well, if the quality of this first one's anything to go by, then uh, yeah, yeah, this is going to be a, a raging success. What what hops are in this? Uh, Citra and Simcoe, very much American staples and yeah. just big flavors. Yeah, it is a great color too. Yeah, just so fruity and gloopy and yeah, I dig that. It's awesome. Yeah, it's it's fun working with homebrewers because you know they they bring their own views to it, and you know we sometimes can get stuck in our rigid sort of structure that we operate in and mm. sometimes you just got to break that throw that out and and open your mind up to to other ideas sometimes well, they're not good ideas sometimes they are in this case yeah you know it is fun to sometimes have something with a bit of malt character and a bit of residual sugar against what is a huge hop addition yeah yeah are there any rights issues here though if this becomes a world beating beer how much have you got to give big paul i think he can take what he wants <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, think I think he's I think he's so stoked that he got to brew a beer on the the big system. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's, just, like, he's happy with that. Okay. Yeah, nice. <laughs> I think it's great as well. Getting um, I mean, you know, you're looking about the fact that you're getting sort of the unshackled mind of a home brewer, but it's great for the for those home brewers to sort of get an idea of what you guys have to do as well. Like, um, you know, with the whole like hottest one hundred and like just fucking sick of all these people on Facebook going like guys bullshit that James Squire got number five or whatever it got, you know, my homebrew is heaps better than that, you know. And get like try distributing your homebrew yeah, now. Exactly, yeah, 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 exactly yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I think the more that the, some of those homebrewers can get I'm not saying every homebrewer is like that, but you know, there's that sometimes that they don't have the bigger picture, I guess, of all the other things that you guys have to consider when even just choosing what beer to brew. And, and that's, so, that's, you're, you're bang on. Yeah. That's sort of what we're going for here is the successful entrant is going to have to factor in the relatively short production cycle, the fact that it needs to be done in sync with the other ones so they can all be judged together. Yeah, yeah. And they need to adapt to their new environment. I mean, yeah. brewing is all about repetition. And if you sit at home and you're on your homebrew system, you can really tweak that thing also to, to, to get yeah. some awesome beer out of it. Um, the challenge now is what happens if you do get that job that you've been begging your local brewer for. It's like, it's you game back on. It up. Time, yeah. To, yeah, yeah. time to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. And that's one of the debates we had in kind of doing this. We're like, well, should the guys... Is it fair? Is it, yeah. Is it fair to make them come and brew in the Sabco system? Or we're like, well, yeah. Because, you know, we need to... I mean, if we're going to brew a big batch of it, we can't take the risk from someone's backyard system... Yeah. Uh, to then scaling up to ours, so it's like it's, 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 it's put a little bit. And, yeah, it's, yeah. Yeah. No, it, it is. It's probably a very. It'll be a fairly stressful uh, day for those brewers yeah, to try and yeah. get their beer right. But they won't be alone. But, yeah, they won't yeah, be alone. Yeah, yeah. That's the reason why we'll have our guys there. Um, but sure, we. But when we're scaling it up, sorry, there'll be a lot of excitement for. Oh them yeah, as well. yeah, yeah, yeah. But it will be. It'll be um, it'll be stressful because you're using a new system, and I'm sure these and these guys are all passionate, so they want to get the beer 100. percent Of course, yeah. But the fact of the matter is, is we we need to be able to see the consistency or that that uh, beer being brewed on our small system, and anything that does pop up out of that, we know like we literally know exactly what to change. And you can address that, yeah, yeah. Um, so you know, and that's that's really important for us, and I think it just it you know brings it into the commercial environment and, mm. and that sort of thing. Um, yeah, it's inter- it'll be interesting. It'll be a, it'll, it's going to be a lot of fun. I think it'll be a lot of fun. So potentially some new employees from Batch might be coming out of this one. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. The, the judging will be a little bit off center as well. Just. Uh, it's not you know who can make the best ESB or who can nail the style perfectly. It's all well, about. It's all about. Uh, this is this is tends to be a dirty word, but it's about consumerism. It's yeah. It's you're you're being judged by consumers. So who is making the most palatable? Be it sessionable, be it extreme. Is there going to be a style beer? guideline that I have to follow? Or is it anyone just enter any any beer? Is it going to be you can enter whatever you want, yeah. but you have a six week production cycle followed yeah. by another. But what I'm saying is, you're not being like, cycle. all right, round on is going to be ASBs, for example. No, 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 no. 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 Whatever people want. Yeah, cool. yeah. It's just it's just the time frame which we get the beer out. Yeah. yeah. So we can't. Well, I mean, unfortunately, I don't think there's barrel age imperial. There's no stouts barrel age imperial. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no imperial stouts or anything like that for yeah. this one. <clears throat> Sorry, how how big did you say this batch was? The the big pools. Uh, There's a single batch for us, so 1,200 liters. Okay. Is that available now at the brewery? It will be available tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, tomorrow. <laughs> and how long would you anticipate that that would hang around for? I'm just trying to work out if it's 
worth you know our listeners heading down for it. <laughs> when will this? By come the time out? we get it out, well, generally a week, yeah, a week or two. Hopefully, we'll get it out. It'll, like, it'll be in bottle shop. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It'll be around. The yeah. pack package will definitely be out. Kegs um, might be. Okay. They'll be out. They'll be out, they'll be they'll out be there. Pouring. Yeah, okay. they'll be out there pouring. So by next week, definitely. Excellent. Look out for it. Um, another thing I want to talk about, just touching on Oddest One Hundred, is um, how you guys went this year and yeah, congratulations. Yeah, was yeah. it eighty two? Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, is this the first time you placed? I'm a bit. I haven't really done my research. Yeah. yeah. Last year, yeah, there, there was nothing up there. Yeah. yeah. We were in 100, I think the closest we got was like a 117 or something. Yeah, like in the second, right. the second yeah. batch of 100. But it was yeah. no mean feat getting in there this year. You know, there was a lot mm. of highly regarded breweries that didn't make the, the top 100 this year. And considering your guys' relatively limited distribution, it was, uh, yeah, no mean feat getting in there. Yeah, that's exactly what I was about to say. That was, um, yeah, we're, we're really happy with that. It can, yeah, considering a limited distribution, um, that means we've just got a, a lot of a lot of love uh, and yeah. a tight tight group for us, and that's yeah. that's fantastic. That's really good. Um, I, I think I didn't really see a lot of promotion from you guys. I think I think some breweries uh, really jump up and down and make a no without not being tacky, but like really do a call to arms to their fans to put their votes in. I didn't really see much from you guys in regards to that. Was that something you just you would rather just let the consumers decide themselves or? I think I think that's our strategy in a nutshell. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. we we don't have table talkers. We don't put up signs. We don't do anything on yeah. social. It's um, it, it it can be a little bit of a game, and those who want to play the game, more power to them. Yeah, and um, some people do play that game a lot. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's interesting yeah. what comes out in on tap in different venues at different times of yeah. year when the voting starts. Yeah, but <laughs> I think it'd be really strategic if even timing of releases would be is for yeah, for gabs. I think like yeah, there's definitely there's definitely people who do that and yeah. play the game. We don't, um, and I try. I get flack all the time. Like, how come you're not promoting the, yeah. the hottest 100 or awards and stuff? And I, yeah, I think we just kind of like to. We just we kind of want to let the consumers kind of do its thing you yeah. know what I mean we get, we get judged every day at our tasting room and on taps and <laughs> I mean that's that's the people who are drinking our beer fresh in our area yeah. the the ones that we're worried about um, we just don't have the resources or the ability right now to nationally distribute so there's no point trying to win a, a national competition almost you know placing there is like you have to have national distribution to some degree like it's yeah I mean every every award is a game and in that yes. particular game it's how, how do you capture the most consumers vote and yeah. in order to do that you have to be in front of consumers and we're yeah. not so were, were they all just were they all nationally distributed apart from top hours top 20 pretty much besides some really yeah yeah, yeah they were top i said top 15 off the top of my head were pretty much all nationally distributed yeah okay yeah and i think someone else made the point that they were all um available packaged as well so there yeah. was there was none that would just sort of draft yeah beers. you know they're all stuff that you get in bottle or yeah. can as well um, so i think that makes a yeah big what do you guys think of the list this year because you know there's as, as usual this time of year there's a lot of uproar and debates it was, um, it was fun to listen to i mean there was some really big movers I and mean, pirate life makes yeah. fantastic yeah. beer and that's <laughs> A yeah, great way to debut, but even yeah, was it was it one fifty lashes? It jumped to five yeah, or six. Like, yeah, you know, good on them. That's awesome. I I found it really interesting. It reminded me of a lot of like I think the first couple of years where you see a lot of these big brands placing quite high, like seeing stuff like Cooper's Sparkling being placed in there, and I think it was a Sparkling. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Reminded me like the, if you look back at the like the first couple of years I did it, it was like you know Cooper's and 
uh, I don't think it was James Squires, but it was like Matilda Bay products all yeah. placing fairly high. So it's almost like as we see this generational thing of more and more people coming into the craft beer industry and more people getting involved, it's almost come back around a full circle where we get like the majority is still quite young beer drinkers. Yeah. And you get the old, the old salty dogs like us who are, <laughs> can sometimes be a bit like felt like you're, you know, we're losing our, our niche thing, I guess you could say. But yeah. It's interesting. Well, I'd, I'd heard a stat that there were double the number of votes this year compared to last year. And I think a lot of that had to do with a, a, a promotion that Dan Murphy's in particular would do. Yeah. So those are going to be the beers that are available at Dan Murphy's, right? So those yeah. are going to be yeah. the nationally distributed things, you know. Yeah, that, that consumer is judging based on what they're exactly. purchasing, yeah. But, I mean, if you want to have a true hottest 100, you know what I mean? You need more people to vote. And, yeah. Um, y- you know, it's like it, it, you always want to see more and more independent uh, of course, in there. But yeah. if people are drinking 150 lashes and they like 150 lashes, then it should be in there. Um, yeah. And I think that just goes to show. I mean, it's back to what we were talking about before. You know, it's it's there's a certain amount of accessibility um, that people want and people enjoy that beer, and that's yep. that's fine. Yep. Um, so yeah, I think going forward, I think it'll be with more breweries and and that sort of thing. I, th- I think it'll be more challenging. Yeah. Uh, to get in there, but yeah, I mean, I think it's a, it's it's. I like the format because it's yeah, it's what pe- it's what people want. It's what they're drinking. You can't really complain that the format doesn't work because it's pretty. There's no there's no opinion from a a, a small group or a small table of people that it's are a sitting, wide are sampling of beers. Yeah. It's literally yeah. just what people are drinking and what they feel passionate about. Yeah. Um, which sometimes marketing and that sort of thing plays into it, maybe more than flavor on some some things. But yeah. um, you know, that's that's the game. So yeah, cool. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's really, it's really interesting. It's um, yeah. I think and uh, yeah, like like Brad said, a big congratulations to you guys for what you've done. And I think in the one hundred to two hundred mark, there's quite a few of your beers in there as well. So I think you place pretty well. Yeah, I think yeah, American Pale Ale. LC, the Milk Stout, yeah. and uh, and the Big Kahuna were in the sort of one yeah. teens and one sixty ish something. We had gotten, um, I think it was, it was obviously a false tip, but like we thought LC was going to place higher, and like like all of a sudden people started ordering it the week before. We're like, what's going <laughs> on? Yeah, right. Like, oh, LC, it's gonna ma- it's gonna make it in. It's gonna make it <laughs> yeah. alive. It didn't, unfortunately. Because <laughs> I think, um, like, if you're a venue participating, you get the top. 10 or top 20 I think but not in order so if you're if you're going to be an official venue that's going to have an official hottest 100 thing they get the week before so they can try and order yeah yeah but they don't know where it's going to place but, yeah. so yeah and some of those venues ordered Elsie we're like man what's going on <laughs> <laughs> stop brewing Elsie yeah. yeah. we did actually I think we brewed a batch like, we're, we, we happen to be running out that week and so like, we need to get more in now but uh, mm. we, were, we were hopeful but we're happy with 82. I think it's awesome. Yeah. The, the fact that we made the list was good. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think you've touched on it a fair bit, but what's what else you guys got coming up beer-wise that's, that we're going to see in the next couple of weeks? Months. Months. Leap beer. <laughs> Looking forward to leap beer. How, how, um, how forward ahead are, are you? Like, Right now we're going through a bit of a construction project, and, and that's eating up all of my yeah. brain power but I was you know focused enough to put all of our February brewing schedule down on paper uh, over the weekend so we've got that settled down it doesn't account for the new tanks that are going to land I'm, I'm not 
accounting on them being functional, although I expect they will be. Um, but that's pretty good for us. You're, we're usually sort of two weeks out. Yeah. No more than that. So for us to be four weeks out, it's pretty pretty good. Yeah. So no uh, no downtime at all then during the installation? You'll be able to sort of brew our, through Our it. bright tanks will be offline for a week, so we have to factor in a little bit of extra packaging before. Uh, but we'll still be making work while the bright tanks are down. We'll just have to cool. sort of sell her a little bit longer yeah. before everything's back online. Yeah, cool. But this year's this year's exciting. I mean, obviously, growing into our new tanks, getting new formats out there, um, you know, getting another sales rep on the road, getting out to more yeah. people and more customers. There's there's a fair bit going on. So it's looking forward to it. Um, yeah, and I guess also, um, you know, we're in the last twelve months where we've seen, or last year, I guess we've seen a lot of people really aggressively expanding. You guys have been a bit i guess not caution not the right word but you've been sort of taking your time and not running to overextend yourselves would that be a fair thing to say with the growth of the brewery Def- um, yeah definitely i mean andrew and i you know me looking after production and andrew looking after distribution we're we're constantly communicating on stock levels and you know we we keep ourselves pretty tight in terms of stock levels you know raw materials even labor so we we work really hard physically and and you know organizationally to to make sure that everything's turning over and there's not, you know, stuff lying around and that the quality is as good as we can make it. Yeah, yeah. So while we are, you know, punching up our capacity a little bit, yeah, we're not going to aggressively start filling it. Mm. Got to let the market absorb it. I was just about to say, we're just pouring out the uh, the next of our beers. Um, it's Drake Brewery from the Bay Area, I believe they are. And it's Draconic, their Imperial Stout. Um Brewery, I didn't, I wasn't really aware of actually until somebody uh, very kindly gifted me this bottle of beer. I was going to ask where did this come from. Yeah, Morgan gave it to me. Um, yeah. I think he'd come back from a conference over on the west coast and, uh, and very kindly gave this to me on my birthday. Lucky you. Um, yeah, and it's, been, and it's been sat in my uh, sat in my hoarder's cupboard for the last six months, waiting for a good uh, a good moment to bring Smells it. Smells incredible. Yeah. Well, while we're under the the concept of your hoarder's cupboard, do you want to tell us what happened uh, yesterday? No, I don't. I got a very I don't want to remember. Very, it. <laughs> A was, very um, um, annoyed <laughs> message from me yesterday. Um, Lee and I managed to procure a, um, a few bottles between us of uh, Rodenback 1984 from Europe. We got it sort of shipped in um, into the country and, uh, and we split split a few bottles between us. Um, and I just put mine away and I've actually had them probably in that cupboard for another two years. I don't know why I'm holding on to them. I don't know what I'm expecting to happen after 30 years. <laughs> <you know? laughs> but uh, I was, yeah... Guys were asking what beers we were going to bring for the for the recording today, so, so I was having a look through a cupboard, and the outside of the bottle was quite tacky, and it had a carrier bag stuck to it. And as I mo- went to move the carrier bag away, it pulled the bottle with it, smashed on top of my stove into a million pieces. So I couldn't even like sort of sip the. Did you look it up? The, yeah, because the <laughs> there was just little tiny shards of shards of glass everywhere. Because the I message you like, sent me was something like, no. shit, I just smashed the bottle of 84. Look it up, look it up. Yeah. Yeah. Did it smell good? It smelled amazing. Um, yeah, I, don't, I was devastated. I'm sorry about that. was probably the worst beer accident I've ever had, actually. Yeah. That's pretty good. My right. condolences, man. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure quantity-wise you guys have had bigger accidents, but you know, in terms of scarcity of, uh, of beer, that was a pretty bad one. How does no, one go don't. about getting their hands on an 84 bottle of beer? Was that from Belgium yeah. in a box yeah. or something like that? Yeah, yeah there's a couple of online sites in Belgium where they sell some like 
some stuff. And the prices of the beers aren't that bad, but the shipping prices are like yeah. extraordinary. Mm. You're talking about I think 180 euros to ship a case sort of a thing. But like there's some of these websites that have some fucking amazing stuff. But yeah. But um, I think a few of these guys did like a massive... I think they all jumped it together and got a mixed case of stuff and shipped it out. But yeah. That's pretty good. So it would have been corked and everything? It wasn't corked, no. It's no. Cap, it was capped, yeah. Which I was surprised at too. Yeah. Wow. No, I don't think running backs have... Yeah, I think at the moment they don't cork anything. It's all well, capped, yeah. How would it... Pretty sure the vintages are corked. But the vintages are corked, yeah. So 30... What would that... It's like a 30, I'm really interested to try that. I'd like try that now. 31-year-old... Uh, I've still got yeah. one bottle left. Yeah. That's why I wasn't as devastated as I might have been because I've still got one bottle left. So oh, you'd have a cut-up tongue if it so was that's the now right at the yeah, 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 yeah. Right at the back of the cupboard in like the most secure place possible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And is there bubble wrap on your cooker now? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I should do that. Yeah. I would have got like a some muslin cloth or a sieve or something, but yeah. I know. I was thinking of like putting a filter on a straw. Yeah. Maybe I didn't try hard enough. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> So do you, do you guys know anything about Drake's? They've been around a while. I think 89 they, they started. Um, I've heard the name. Um, I grew up on the East Coast. And right. when I visit, I'm usually on the East Coast. And I don't know that they get distribution there. Okay. But I've heard very good things. And this lives up to all of what I've heard. Yeah, it's this is fantastic. Yeah, it's really nice. I have not heard of them, heard of them either. Yeah. So eight and three quarters is the, the strength. Eight and three quarters. I've never seen a three eight, quarters. Eight point seven five. Oh, right. I was going to say I've never seen eight and three quarters as a as a strength. But yeah, yeah. it's really nice. It's beautiful. Yeah, that's a brewer. That's a, that's a, that is a meticulous brewer writing that. Eight point seven five. Right yeah. it looks like it's written in pen almost. I'm pretty as well. sure that's handwritten. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you guys um, brought out the tank six that you mentioned um, earlier in the in the podcast towards the end of last year. Um, I personally thought it was fantastic. Had it at the uh, mm-hmm. the tap house at the end of a of an ale stars. I think it was um, tasting really really good. How, how did you guys find it? What did you think of it? I thought it was fantastic. I mean, I was I was really pleased when when it came out the way it did. It was tasting pretty tough uh, when it was young, right? But we left it in tank six for you know quite a long time. I think we packaged it in July. Yeah, it sounds so it would have right. been five, five to six months in the tank, and then additional cellaring time in the package. Um, and it's just amazing how much it changes. Yeah, it just mellows out. You know, the the acrid bits of the roasted malt just sort of fall away. Flavors meld together. Uh, yeah, I can't I can't say enough for cellaring time of of you know complex beers like that. It really mm. changes everything. Yeah, we've got uh, I think four kegs, which we'll re-release. Uh, next year oh, okay. horizontal cool. tastings for the next four years yes <laughs> yeah. and uh, we also have we're keeping some egg batch as well so we're going to see how that yeah. holds up I'd be really, I, was, I was quite keen to see how that's going to hold up because that's a big beer so really I think good, that, but yeah. I think that'll do fine like it's if it oxidizes a little bit um, we have some package and some kegs mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to hurt that beer at all so no. I, mean, I think it's uh, it, it is a great beer or it is a great beer yeah. So yeah, that'll come out again too. So you're saying earlier, there's a there's a, a heifer to come. Um, there can't be many styles that you've not yet released. Is there anything that's missing that you're oh. conscious of that you haven't done yet? Braggot. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Sour braggot. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, we haven't done a cider. No. No cider. Do you no ginger ever do beer. A cider? 
Our staff threatened to quit if we do. But, uh, <laughs> that's why we're holding a homebrew competition. We explored the cider, and then Chris and I, um, again, like after kind of, well, Chris, after looking into the process of it, we kind of realized if we want to do it the way we want to do it, yeah. we'd have to get all the apples in and crush them on site. We didn't want to buy um, Peel them juice. all by hand. Yeah. yeah, get Topher. Get yeah. Topher to work. So, yeah, yeah Topher is like... Yeah. <laughs> That's only threatened the quiz, yeah. <laughs> so, um... Yeah, we we're going to we're gonna leave that to the experts <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. for the time being. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure there's, heap, there's heaps of styles we haven't done. There's got to be. Half, I mean, we have, this is the first half we've done. Um, so, we were crossing that bridge. I don't know. There's tons. Yeah, one of, like I said before, the goal for 2016 is, is innovation. So the boys uh, are you know testing things. They each have um, a, a test batch tank that they have to keep full. So as they right. roll that out, they have to brew another one and just keep trialing things. Um, and part of that is is to stop looking in our old, you know, our collection of homebrewing books on the shelf over there and just start, you know, figuring out what we have access to and what we want to use and not what's a safe play or what we've done yeah. before as a home brewer. So I'm, I'm loving the fact that Gladfield is starting to distribute into New South Wales. They have a really wide catalog of malts to play with. Um, you know, Voyager, you know, we've been out there a couple of times now. We're really supportive of what they're doing and we want to see them get up off the ground. Did and you want to touch on that quickly as well? Because we didn't really talk about that, but that was pretty Yeah, so, so those boys are... You know, it's I'm an economics major. Like that's that's the way my brain operates, and and I love what they're doing in terms of bringing, you know, a higher value product to the market. So, sort of decommoditizing barley. Barley gets grown all over the place, put into a central processing system, which gets mixed up of you know every field across WA and Victoria and New South Wales, and it pops out of a malt house somewhere in Victoria mm-hmm. and gets packaged up and shipped mostly to China. Um, so, so all the barley growing exists to satisfy Chinese rice lager brewers. Yeah. So what Voyager are doing and what Gladfield is already doing is is taking that, breaking that back down, uh, linking directly to brewers of a similar scale to what they're going to do, and enabling them to grow barley varieties that you know will be just. Result in better beers for for independent craft brewers, and you know, get to play with experimental malting processes and experimental, you know, cereal grains. Oh, wow. So it's it's a really great concept from an economics perspective. These guys are of the generation that's being forced off the farm because they can't make a living. Yeah, uh, selling commodity priced yeah barley to an industrial food supply system. Uh, now they can actually take that barley, malt it, sell it at a higher price point, you know, sell me barley at the same price I get it from, from the big multinationals and still be able to employ themselves and make a living. Yeah. So I, I love the story and, and so far the quality of what Gladfield's produced is fantastic. Yeah, yeah. And I'm looking forward to, to getting our hands on some of the first batches that, that the Griffith boys do. Yeah. And, and also just to uh, further the point that Chris made, it's like the, the conversations. I mean, that most of the, the barley they get is from their own uh, crop, but if they have to go to their, you know, the neighbors' field, I mean, they they have no arguments in saying, "Hey, can I give you more money than what you know the big companies are going to pay for?" And they're like, "Yes, uh, please." Let me think about that. Yeah. So you know, it's keeping, um, it's giving farmers what they're owed, and um, you know, keeping those guys busy, which is fantastic. Yeah. It's it, it, it's great to know that we're we we can help out even though on a small level with that. Yeah. 
But um, and giving you that access directly to the farmers as well was pretty cool as. As yeah, well, cutting out all those multi multi middlemen in, in between. Yeah, yeah, and it's cool to think that we can also get, um, you know, if if we come up with a when I say we, I mean the brewers come up with not me, they uh, they come up with an idea of something that's new and different. These guys have the ability to, you know, to malt. Well, stop me if I'm talking out of turn here, but they've got the ability to malt um, really small batches for us. Cool. Um, so if we have a different you know, style of beer that we want to do or something like that. I think they've got the, build, the ability to do that. So I think that's a fantastic thing. That they, That's right, isn't it? I hope so. Yeah, I mean, their, their batch size <laughs> is... is if, not, if not, they have to do it now. We have a long history, <laughs> we have a long history of talking out of our ass. So <laughs> <don't worry. laughs> oh, no, it's, it's bang on. I mean, they, they'll have a pilot system and they'll also have their production system. But even their production system isn't big enough to satisfy the likes of, you know, a first tier sort of yeah. little creatures or, mm-hmm. or four pines. I mean... They'd have to do three, four batches just to fill one mash ton. Jeez. So for us, it's perfectly sized. Um, and and your question originally, Brad, was about styles, and, and hopefully, we'll, we won't be looking for styles that have been done, but we'll be creating styles. Yeah, that's, that's the goal. So I, ideally, I mean, you don't even have to look to see what malts you have available. You can say, well, what malts do we want, and then yeah, I think, yeah. I mean, over time, absolutely. Initially, they're they're gonna just like us when we started our business have to figure it out so they'll they'll keep it pretty tight yeah. i mean they're 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 grabbing uh and they're growing uh barley varieties that aren't bought by the big institutions um no for no other reason than, than you know commoditization so yeah these smaller you know less less known barley varieties uh, are going to be what they have to focus on initially but in you know shortly after that once they get that figured out they can start buying or growing whatever the whatever cool. they want and how did you get in contact with these guys, or how did that relationship start? Uh, I can't remember the the, the homebrewing club that works out of Atlassian. Does. Ah, okay, yeah. Uh, so I was just sitting down having a, a pale ale session with those guys, and uh, somebody mentioned it, and I you know just got on the internet and found Stu and emailed him and said, you know, we really want to get our hands on something that's you know gr- malted on the farm, and yeah, and he. Super ecstatic to get a contact, and uh, it's just grown from there. Cool, that's awesome. real interesting. I didn't know about any of that. That's, yeah, uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Is there a risk that I guess that they become really popular and then it becomes a bit of a malt shortage again, like it is with the the hops? You know, it's you know, how yeah. do you get hold of this stuff? Gladfield's done a fantastic yeah. job of uh, restricting where they're selling, sort of similar to what we're doing, I guess. But mm. they were only selling in New Zealand, um, and then shortly after that, they started selling into victoria but would not you know sell into new south wales and that's not you know them trying to keep their product scarce it's them trying to make sure they don't disappoint their existing customers in favor of getting a new customer much like what you guys are like as well Mm -hmm. yeah yeah yeah. so we're so that's a real risk absolutely but hopefully you know they'll be successful enough and that they can you know expand their capacity in line with their demand yeah yeah it's really cool because we don't i think even you know we don't really we talk a lot about you know what hops are in beers and even to some degree yeast strains but like i think the story of how malts produce and where it comes from is something that no one really pays a lot of attention to yeah it's been left behind partially because there isn't an option i mean we sat down with malt uh a malt session hosted by david crier who's a major supplier of, of malts to craft breweries he invited uh, somebody from from the Barrett Burston uh, Grain Corp family, 
and uh, and they said, look, you know, you guys as a whole industry represent such a small quantity of what we do that we can't adapt to what you're doing. So come back to us when you're, when you know, exponentially grown yeah. and collectively buying, and maybe we'll talk. Wow. But in it, the it, meantime, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was really, it was really With dis- all due respect, no. Yeah, yeah, it was disheartening for us uh, being in that. They basically said, well. China's buying most of the grains, so we're gonna we're gonna do what they want. We're yeah. gonna ma- uh, grow the grains, grow the barley that they want, the varieties that they want, and unfortunately, you guys kind of have to work around it, deal yeah. with it. Um, but then shortly after, um, you know, the relationship with uh, Gladfield and, and Voyager kind of came about, and that's given us a new lease on on malts. And cr- we're, we're a lot more malt and yeast driven um, than we are probably hops driven. Mm-hmm. So this is really exciting. For us, yeah, um, because yeah. we've never really been like you know we we'll put out the IP like IPAs because obviously we're tasting an IPA today, but um, yeah, it's just one of those things. I think we get a lot more excited about different yeast strains and 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 new and different types of malts than we do about hops, and I think that's a good thing. I think it's good. It's a point of difference. Yeah, hmm. yeah. yeah. And we're excited about this relationship with Voyager too. Just for I mean, it's we've been down to the farm. We, you know, we know the guys. You know, you know, you've stood in the field and picked up some grains like yeah and and you know that that's going to be in your beer that's pretty that's a that's pretty, pretty cool thing yeah yeah awesome so that's that's kind of the last ingredient i suppose that you know you wouldn't be able to sort of point and say this is where it's produced and you know yeah like, yeah, yeah. And, that, and now you know now you've got accountability over everything that goes well, into yeah. the beer yeah i think i think we owe it to our customers to do that because they're you know they're paying a premium to buy our beer sometimes from an independent bottle well, in our case always from an independent bottle shop so these are the people who don't go into Woolworths and just shop for the cheapest thing they can yeah. get their hands yeah. on yeah so why should brewers be buying the cheapest thing they can get their hands on when it comes to malt and you know we have two choices in Australia for Australian grown malt yeah and they're both owned by multinational corporations so much the same as you know the, the multinational corporations that own the brewers mm-hmm. if you're choosing craft beer or independent brewers over multinational we as brewers owe it to our customers to make the same choice yeah that's really well put yeah it's really interesting it's something i hasn't i haven't heard discussed before as well so it's really cool mm. the voyager guys can thank me for that <laughs> <laughs> so um last few months you guys have got a, a couple of new neighbors um in the grifter Bruco and uh, black font as well um cropping up around the corner from you guys is it all very much great, come to the party, more the merrier? Or is there any part of you that thinks, hey, you know, this is our patch? Uh. <laughs> so far, so good. I mean, yeah, was, Matt at Grifter saved my ass a couple weeks ago because we ran out of growler caps and we are <laughs> totally screwed. So um, I'd say everything's pretty, pretty friendly. And yeah. it's definitely the you know, rising tides mentality. One yeah. day, one day that might change, but it's not on the horizon, so it's all good. Well, I mean, the first yeah. time I found out about Black Font was when they were sitting at Batch drinking beers. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so yeah. they they came around. Yeah, yeah, they've been around. Oh, yeah, yeah. We we owe them a visit, but their their DA limits their hours. Yeah, it's hard, isn't it? Working, yeah. yeah, I haven't a chance to go yet either. I know, I heard that guy; he does really good beer. So yeah, we haven't got to get yeah. over there. I haven't had one of theirs. Lazy the, on our part. the uh the Berliner Weiss, the the blue was it blueberry Berliner Weiss? Yeah, yeah oh, nice. that was really nice, really nice. But yeah, I think the the breweries. I mean, it's 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 interesting. Um, all the breweries that have opened up since we've opened up in this area, and you could say we were, um, you know, Young Henry's was the first one in this area, and we kind of opened up down the street. But we've had a, a, a lot more in our immediate area than compared to what Young Henry's has, obviously. 
but it, it's been good. I mean, um, yeah, we all we I would like we would like to spend more time with those guys and and create more of a like a community. community yeah. But we're all just so busy; it's yeah. hard. And it's so, not just you; they're, they're, the yeah, they're the same. Yeah, they're exactly the same. Yeah. So I think eventually. Uh, we'll all start to work together even more. I mean, that's definitely uh, something we we um, put out the um, with Dave from um, Dave's Brewery Tours. The Aussie Ale Trails map is a kind of a first yeah. point to try and drive more people into this area, so they sure. could they knew where the breweries yeah. were, and it was also a step for us to try and develop the relationships with everyone. So hopefully, we're gonna we'll use that to try and um, to kind of bring everybody, yeah, that was everybody really together cool. a bit more. Cool product as well. Yeah, yeah. expect more to come out. So yeah, nice, great. Well, I think we might uh, sort of wrap it up because I'm getting too drunk and yeah. it's cool. 2 o'clock and I'm sure you guys have places to be as well. Um, my, my wife hasn't actually sent me a text yet, but I am sure I'm going to be getting <laughs> you? you said you were going to take the kids to the beach. Yeah. There's still time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> clouds look good. So, yeah. uh, so I just want to say thank you very much for yeah. you guys for, for inviting Santa and spending some time with us. It's, it was really cool chat and um, thank you for the beers as well. Um, I think I'll be back for some of that big pools. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. <laughs> That's been terrific. It's been good to find out, you know, about what's going on and what's what's to come. And yeah, very excited yeah. about about what the next year holds. Yeah, exactly. With the yeah. extra capacity yeah. as well. So yeah. thank you. We're yeah. we're excited too. So yeah, thanks for doing what you do. Thanks for so easy making it out here. No, cheers. Thank you.